Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the City of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. For being here, happy Sunday! It's a, it's a good Sunday to to be here. Um, as you can tell, we have a lot of traveling families. I think people are making up for last weekend that they had just come back from Royal Family uh, Kids Camp and had a miraculous weekend. And I think a lot of families are away trying to catch up for um, the Fourth of July weekend. So um, we're glad that you're here with us in person, but we're also online. I'm speaking to you or to you, whichever camera I'm speaking to, to say we're glad that you're um, online with us. I know Brenton is up early already and watching us Hawaii time right now, overlooking some beautiful view that, that, that I saw. So a well-deserved break for our lead pastor. I'm super thankful uh, for the work that he does here at Refuge. I am... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in Amos, so if you have your Bibles or if you're using a Bible app, I would open up to Amos. Amos is a, a minor prophet, so you'll find him uh, about two-thirds of the way uh, in, in, in the Bible towards the end of the Old Testament, and, so, um, and he's called a minor prophet not because he's um, mining or that he's not um, as good as the other prophets. It's just his writings are much shorter than, say, the major prophets, so we have minor prophets and major prophets, so... I am going to give you a quick history on that, but I did have the idea. I was thinking, oh, man, you know, I'm speaking in Amos, and I should probably get some, like, famous Amos cookies for everybody, but um, I didn't, so I'm just going to tell you about famous Amos. So um, they're bankrupt and have gone out of business. They're no longer in malls, but you can still buy them at uh, Walmart and Costco should you want to go get them later on today. So, But do you remember when they were in the malls? I, I used to go to famous Amos. They were in every mall. I grew up in L.A., as some of you know, and uh, we, I would go to the Fox Hills Mall. That's what it was called, and uh, that was the place where, you know, uh, when you're a teenager, you kind of get your stroll on, and, you know, and then you roll by, you know, Famous Amos, and you get a cookie, right? And you're looking, hanging over the rail, looking at girls and stuff. And I mean, obviously, that's what you do in the mall. That's what I did. That's where Famous Amos is where I'd go to get my, my cookie. So anyone here remember Famous Amos? Give me just a little. Okay, I got one person, the old person in the back. Thanks. Okay, that's great. I feel awkward now talking about this. But um, Amos is, is a phenomenal book in the Bible. It's a short book, and this afternoon I hope that you'll take the time to read the seven chapters that it is. Um, Amos does something that is so important for us and so relevant for us, and uh, he, he reminds people that God does not tolerate injustice, and, and I'm here today to share with you that I am familiar with the God that does not tolerate injustice, and I want to speak from the Old Testament, and then I want to make sure I, I look at the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus Christ, and then I want to make sure that I look at the Old Testament and Amos and what he prophesied over Israel and in the lens of America and over each of us individually. So um, if you will, fasten your seatbelts because I've, I have a few things that I feel like the Lord wants to share with us, but before I get too far into Amos, and as you get into your Bible, we'll be in Amos 7, so if you want to get there. I want to give you a little history to what Amos had stepped into. 
Amos was around the 8th century um, B.C., so before Christ, and um, he, was, um, he was just a shepherd. They're, they're not even sure if he actually uh, owned the sheep, um, so he might have just worked as a shepherd. He might have just been someone who worked for someone who was rich. He also what was called a, he was a sycamore dresser. He, he was someone who was borderline tree trimmer, but sycamores also bear fruit in the Middle East. It's, the, it's a fig. They're not the real figs that we think of when we want to go make our charcuterie platter. It's, it's the cheap fig. It's the poor man's fig. And he would, he would trim those trees, and he would pull the figs off, and, and, and those, those, these would feed the poor people of that area. He was from a town that's pronounced Tekoa. It's just south of Bethlehem in the, the land of Judah. Now, when I see these things, I know in the past for me, they would just go over my head. So I have a map that I want to put up. And I, I want to just give you some idea of what was going on during that time. If we go back a little bit further, King Solomon had amassed a kingdom like no one ever has before. He had expanded the Hebrew people and gained wealth and riches like no one had ever seen before. So picture Solomon's kingdom now, the richest that you have ever seen. And some say to this day, if you did the translation of, of what money is worth back then to what money is worth now, that it would be the richest kingdom that has ever existed. This is Solomon's kingdom. So Picture that. But what happens after Solomon dies in, I think it's 922, is that his son is put in place, Rehoboam, and nobody liked Rehoboam. And, and in fact, they kind of were upset that, that, that he was put in place. And so people did what people do and said, hey, we're not following you anymore. And they split off. And so when you hear the word Judah and Israel, they became two separate kingdoms. And I believe you're looking at a map that probably shows that. And so there are now two separate kingdoms. King Solomon's kingdom, which was the greatest, strongest that had ever been, was now split in two. Now, why was it split in two? King Solomon had stressed everybody for taxes like they had never felt before. He had pushed people beyond their capabilities. So when he had died, they said, hey, we're done with this. We're done with being taxed. We're done with building everything he wants to build. We are separating. So two of the tribes, if you remember, there's 12 tribes. Two of the tribes became Judah, and 10 stayed in the north and became Israel. Israel's capital, capital was Samaria. You might see a star where it says Samaria. And then the capital of Judah is Jerusalem. And that is also where God was worshipped in the south. Now in the north, in Israel, he was worshipped in Bethel. So as we dive into the scripture, this gives you just a little bit of context of like, hey, um, I kind of understand what was going on in that region. What had happened in the north, in Israel, is their natural resources were so abundant, and they felt so blessed, and they at one time would give God the glory for all their riches, but over a period of time, much like any of us, they got lazy with where they had received all their richness from, and they stopped worshiping God. They started setting up idols in other areas and putting other people in place, pushing the God of the universe away and bringing their own gods forward that suited their needs and their own pleasures. These were people that were so rich that, um, that in, in Amos, if you look at it in chapter 4, yeah, Amos calls them fatted calves on a hillside that would come and steal food from the poor so that they can continue to grow in fatness. 
So Amos paints this picture of a people up in Israel that, that are just so greedy and so wanton, and they just continue to take and take and take. Well, so Amos, this shepherd just south of there in another area in Judah, and it's not too far. I've been, I've been through that land. You could drive that in a half a day. You could you go, but keep in mind that they weren't driving back then. You know, they're mostly walking, so sometimes it's a two- or three-day journey. He chose to leave where he was from, and he went up north, to speak to the people. Now, why, why is this relevant to us? How do, how do we apply this to us? There's a chance what we're reading in Amos about a, a nation that was flush, that had so much, that had so much wealth, that had so much natural resources, that had so much abundance. I, I kind of wondered... Is, is any of that relevant to even what we could be going through here in America? Or even relevant to what could be happening in some of the richest countries in the world? When we, when we stop caring for the needs of the people, when, when injustice happens, I think God gets very upset. And God speaks on justice a lot. He sends voices in the Old Testament to say, Injustice will not stand. I am God. I have blessed you. You will be a blessing. Much like this church when we started Refuge years ago, one of the key statements comes out of, out of Genesis. Uh, Abraham, blessed to be a blessing. So we are blessed, and we bless back. And, and in this passage, you're going to hear there's, there's a, a plumb line that is dropped, okay? Now, a plumb line, I'm not a construction guy. I've done a little bit of dabbling here and there. I've got some power tools. I haven't cut any fingers off. I'm pretty decent in the garage. I feel equipped if anyone called me up. But a plumb line is this line that is dropped for you men and women that need to know what it is. It's a, it's a line that's dropped with a weight on the bottom of it. And that weight, what it does is it pulls the line and creates a perfect line, up and down. There's no way that you can fool that plumb line. There's no way you could fake it. It is perfectly straight up and down. And in this passage, you'll see that the, that the, that the Lord um, says, I'm dropping a plumb line next to the wall that I'm standing on, and you will be measured off of this plumb line. Now, that's convicting. That's convicting for us. It should be convicting. It should rip our hearts out to know that God is dropping a plumb line in, and we will be measured off of this. There's a wall that is straight, and, and, and there's a plumb line. And I, I think, like, when we talk about injustice, man, there's been a lot of crookedness going on when it comes to justice and injustice. But I, I want to share what we have done pretty well. When, when God drops a plumb line and says, I'm going to measure you off of this, are you caring for your people? It, it, are, you, are you taking care of the needs of your people? I, I want to share a, a win. I want to share a win. Instead of focusing right now on, on the tragedy of injustice, I want to I share a win. A week ago, we, we, we took 30 kids up to the mountain. These are, these are kids that, without giving away too much, because some of them um, are maybe even watching and some of them even started coming to this church. These, these are kids that God has anointed, that God has loved, God has ordained. He, he has prescribed their story long before existence. But for some reason, when, when they entered into this world, the unjust world that happens, the sin world that happens, 
um, they, they, they were set aside. And, and, and there might have been even, even people when, when, when they had this child that they were hoping to swing, swing that, um, that pendulum to, to match their own needs, to swing, swing it so that the, that the marker um, matches up to the unevenness of their own life. But um, that line is straight. And there's no fooling that plumb line. But when you, when you can take 30 kids up to the mountains and that you can, you can share blessing on them, and, you, and, you, and all, if all you did was just remind them that they're loved and that they're lovable, those are some of the greatest stories coming out of this trip that we did for Royal Family Kids Camp last week. Yes, it deserves to be talked about again. It should be talked about for weeks and for months, and we're doing it in a year, and all of you should come because it was one of the most amazing weeks. But I, I tell you that there's a plumb line and an injustice was done sometimes to these kids. There was hurt and pain as they entered into foster care and, and moved from home to home. And, and one of the stories um, of, of, the, of this sweet girl, I even said to Shirley, man, I, I think, man, if we could find a place for her in our home, I would, I would be, I'd be blown away. But I know the Lord has her hand, um, her story and uh, his hand on her life, and we're going to trust that. But she said, hey, I've, I've moved from home to home. How many homes do I have to move from before I actually get adopted? There's a, there's a plumb line that the Lord drops in your life, and, and we got to step in and, and square up, and square up their life and say, we care about you. We love you. And, yeah, it's just one week. Yeah, it's just one week. But I tell you, man, that is, that is doing justice that Amos screamed about to the people in Israel when he went up there and said, you're not doing what God had called you to do, what he had blessed you with, and, and here's what's going to happen if you do not follow what God is saying to do. So today I'm going to give you two things. One, I'm going to talk to you about this plumb line and how we square up to it. And the second thing I'm going to talk to you about is... In this passage, you will see that he talks about Amos, Amos the shepherd, not even the rich shepherd. They're not even saying, they're not even sure if he owned anything, and he was a tree trimmer. And uh, earlier this week, we posted, you know, for this service, and we said, hey, we got Amos visiting us. He's a shepherd, and, and he tre <laughs> trims trees, and uh, one, of the, one of the great people uh, married to one of our pastors, um, his name, I'm not going to say, but that should answer your question right there. Up, he said. Uh, he said, "Oh man, we're gonna have Amos visit us." And I'm like, "Bro, read your Bible. Like, there, there, there's this isn't. We're not really having Amos visit us. I'm just saying that we're gonna talk about Amos. Amos is visiting us, and 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 uh, so we're gonna study the Bible with Jason a little later and go over some of the minor prophets with him and just go through some of the basics of Scripture. But um, Amos will not be here today, in case you thought he was showing up, and I'm not sure who Amos actually is. Um, but um, the second thing is, is he took Amos's life. And he used it for his glory. There's many times that we think that office is more important than authority. And I would just say to you, as I speak and I share with this community, that while I might be in the office and in the business of religion, and I get paid a little bit of money to, to lead, lead us, uh, as, as well as with Pastor Bren and Pastor Nikki and some of the people on our team, we get paid, and it's a title and it's an office, that that does not trump authority. And so when God gives somebody authority, like Margaret, to lead a camp, 
and take kids up there. That's authority. I'll take that any day over office, right? And so I just want to speak authority over each of you and let you know that God has equipped each of you to live in his authority, to work in his authority, and accomplish his good work, right? So while I might be in the office, and, and many times I believe that the Lord gives me authority too, um, that does not make me any greater uh, than those of you that are equipped. And I think there are even hearts stirring at this moment. Um, we had a service years ago um, um, of, with a young lady who, who was being called into missionary work, and and, uh, and, and, and we spoke on this idea that, look, look, look you, you, you are called, and God wants to use you. And when he uses you, he's going to give you power, and he's going to give you authority. And so you don't have to have a title to do what God want, wants to do, right? And it was in that moment in, in one of the services, she came up to us, and Brent and I prayed for her years ago. Um, and, and she says, I feel like the Lord is calling me to, to, to the Middle East. And we said, that's awesome, that's awesome. Oh, where, do you, where do you think she is right now, today? Uh, she's in the Middle East, and she's, she's bringing God's word over there. She's loving people over there. So isn't that cool that, that God, God will do that? So if you will, turn with me to Amos 7. Uh, we're in 7 through 15. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to a plumb with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. With a sword, I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. For this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah, earn your bread there, and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go. Prophesy to my people Israel. A few things happen in that passage. He talks about the plumb line that I shared with you. He talks about this guy named Amaziah. Amaziah is uh, in the northern kingdom of Israel, as I shared with you on this map. He's overseeing a, a king-sanctioned, a state-sanctioned temple for King Jeroboam. That's who's the king of Israel during this time. And Jeroboam puts this guy Amaziah in place as the prophet. And here Amos comes up to Amaziah, the paid prophet, and says, I have a word from you, uh, for you. I have a word for you from God. And, and, and Amaziah does his best to twist it and make sure that he's listening um, to the needs and the wants of his king 
lowercase k instead of what really the capital K king would say. And here Amaziah is working for the capital K king. I'm talking about the king of the universe. And, and here Amaziah is working for the lowercase king, Jeroboam, right? And so where, where we see conflict is that, is that Amaziah is paid to be the prophet of this temple. And he's threatened by Amos because Amos is bringing a word that he doesn't like. And so he twists it a little bit and says, hey, he's threatening your life. Hey, um, your, your, your kingdom's going to fall apart because of what Amos is saying. He's obviously got some sort of conspiracy going on. And then he kind of diminishes him a little bit and he says, hey, he's not really a prophet. He's just like one of those sayers. He's just like one of those fortune tellers. So you, you, you can't trust what he has to say. And Amos, Amos kind of just refutes it and says, bro, like, I'm not, I'm not paid like you are. I'm no prophet. I'm, I don't even come from the line of prophets. He goes, but, but listen to this carefully. He goes, God, God spoke to me as a shepherd and said to go, and I went to prophesy. Now, there's something powerful about that, right? There's something powerful when we step into a situation that says it's more important for me to listen to what God is telling me to do than what man is telling me to do. And man, is that the battle that we're all dealing with on a daily basis? Because I tell you, I tell you, the world is telling us one thing. Man, gather, consume, have, be, do all these things. And then the Lord comes to us and says, man, love, accept, protect, care, go after, pursue, love your enemy. Right, so we've got this battle going on. The world is telling us one thing, and the Lord is telling us another thing. And, and, and here's Amos, Amos in the middle, who just says, I'm going to go. I'm just a simple shepherd, but I'm going to go. So he leaves Tekoa, and he goes up into Bethel, and he shares this prophetic message. And it's a, an important message for us. It's an important message for each of you. But he also speaks at the beginning of this, of this plumb line, which I shared with you. Now, the plumb line is, is straight. Plumb line can't be fooled. And we measure, we measure buildings off of this. And, and if you look back on old architecture, I'm not an expert at this. I just Googled it, like all of you could do, is what they would do is when they were, when they were building uh, buildings or temples or cathedrals, or even some say that when they were building the pyramids in Egypt, that they would, they would take a plumb line and they would, they would drop that down the middle and everything would be measured off of that. That's how they made sure that the walls were straight. So if you knew that the plumb line out there it was 10 feet. It was 10 feet that way. As you got a little further up, plumb line is still 10 feet. Your walls are straight. It's just common math, right? And so this plumb line cannot be, cannot be fooled. You cannot lie. You cannot deceive it, right? And so God has said to us, oh, here's, the, here's the rules. Here's the, here's the line, right? I, I'm, I'm measuring you up to this plumb line. Are, are, you, are you able to match up to this? And he even goes so far as saying, I'm going to destroy Israel because they're not even close. They're not even measuring up whatsoever. It's kind of a damning passage when you look at it. And, um, and it's almost threatening because is that the God that I believe in? Is that the God that I understand? And that's, that's where I, I started. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to make sure that we look at this plumb line through the lens of Jesus Christ. Right? 
Because I, I'm just going to raise my hand and I'm going to just tell you that I cannot measure up to the plumb line. I will never be perfect. I will never be perfect. And this is not me just copping out in front of my wife who already knows that I'm pretty imperfect. She knows all the dirt about me. If you want to find out what a mess I am, just talk to her for a few minutes. You'll get an idea of like how, like, the, like me, I'm trying to swing the plumb line over here and it's all angled and messed up and it's all thrown off and I'm hoping that it matches up to me. And, and if you talk to her, you'll know that like, yeah, Sean's a train wreck. I mean, so if you're willing to admit at any moment that you might have um, moments of uh, moments of imperfection, like like myself, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll just assume with everyone with your hand down that you agree with me. So let's just assume that. So um, uh, we we are imperfect people. We've got this plumb line. And God is saying to Israel, "I'm going to destroy you because you can't match up this. You can't square up to this. You can't square up to it." And I'd say to you, "You're right." Like, we can't square up to it. But this is where the story gets great. The, the, the injustice that was happening is God, God sent Jesus, right? And so Jesus basically uh, stands next to the plumb line, right? And this is the Jesus that I follow, and this is Jesus that uh, died and rose again. And this is not just the idea of Jesus. This is the Jesus that um, the Christian church calls Savior of the world, and, and, and he takes us and he, and he squares us up to the plumb line uh, through his lens where he's saying that I, I, I'm going to pay the price. I, I, I already did pay the price. And so your imperfections, your flaws, your sins, well, well, the Father is asking you to follow the law perfectly. I, I, I didn't come to get rid of the law. I came to fulfill it. And, and what I'm asking you to do through the price that I paid, is to follow me. And in following me, you're made right. You're made square. You're made whole. And I, I think it's great when you look at Scripture. I, I, you know, Scripture's full of stories of, uh, of agriculture and stories of construction, right? And uh, so um, when we're talking construction and, and God being the plumb line that is straight, we, we get that. It's perfect. It's perfect, right? And, 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 and it's we can measure off of everything, that, that, that plumb line. And then you hear, even in the Old Testament, about this cornerstone, right? This cornerstone that is Christ. And we sing a worship song, cornerstone. It, and it's just such a good song. It reminds us that he is the foundation of the architecture. So we've got Christ, the foundation, and, 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 and God, the plumb line, right? foundation is perfect. We can build everything off of that. And I think we need that in this moment. I think, I think when, when we look at a passage like Amos, we get a little discouraged and go, like, man, I'll never measure up. And I don't know if there are moments like that that you feel, but I feel that a lot of times when it comes to making mistakes and, and saying the wrong thing and frustrating the people I work with and um, not being encouraging, right? And so my life and this plumb line, I, I, I guess I could throw it, throw, it, throw it away and just say, well, maybe God was wrong and maybe, maybe I should rewrite what that plumb line means. And, and maybe if I just put my own morals on things and, and maybe, uh, maybe if I just, you know, say like that part of the Bible, but not that part of the Bible, right? Or, or what if I say like, gosh, I, I think I'm okay with that. Like, um, I go back to the plumb line. And I'd say that it's pretty clear what we're called to do. 
and he's calling us to, to live in justice and mercy. And so if we can square anything up as a church, if we can square anything up individually, is, is to, to try to move towards this. But I, I don't even like the word try because what has happened is that because of Christ paying the price for us and giving us grace, he has, he has come around the plumb line and basically saying, I'm going to measure up in your absence and your imperfection. I'm going to make you whole and I'm going to make you perfect. And that's how I see you. And, and I think that's that what my hope is for you when you look at the plumb line. My hope for you as you look at Amos and his life is that you too could be called in, in the ending part of that passage, um, if you'll bring that up, it's the last verse he says to Amaziah. He says, I am not a prophet. Who here would agree that I am not a prophet, right? And, and, and who here would agree that I'm not the son of a prophet, right? I am a shepherd. I'm a dresser of sycamore fig trees, right? Insert your job there. Insert your office there. And then step into God's authority. Because God calls us to go on his authority, not on a title, not on an office. And so on a day like today, we're faced with the, the squareness and trueness of a plumb line, which can only be found in God's perfection. And then we are embraced because of Christ's love for us, grace that is exacted upon us on the cross. And we are freed of, of, of trying to ever measure up because we never will. It is Christ who pray, paid that price. And then we, as Amos, are all people that have a job. And the other job outside of that one is to go and to be a prophetic voice to those around you. And what is around you? As I invite the worship team together, I would just want to encourage you to, to who is around you? How can we be creative? On a day like today, how can, we, how can we lean into what Amos was called to do, what we, he was called out of and called into? Well, royal family comes to mind. I, I, would, I would ask that you would start praying about royal family. It's a, it's a year away, but in that year, we have to put leaders in place. We need nurses. I, we need people that have psychology degrees. We need people that are, are counselors, that, that are willing to um, go one-on-one -on -one with a child who will be patient in for five days and, and basically never say no to this kid, um, this child of God, and, 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 and invite them into the yes that ha God has for them, um, that will, will be crazy and, and kooky and, and, and willing to dance and willing to, to take a child that gets off the bus that's both scared and anxious and, and bringing stories of hurt and pain and, 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 and just come alongside of them and just love them with adoration. That's, that's, that's in a year. You have a year to pray about this. But I'm, I'm imploring you now to, to talk to everyone you can. If you, if you can't come up to camp, this transformational camp, there's so many other ways to serve. We, we meet ahead of time. There are meetings. There's fundraising opportunities. We fundraise for this. This, this church um, and a few other churches uh, raised a huge amount of money, like a miraculous amount of money, to send these kids up to camp. And I, I know you feel like I'm, I might be harping on how, <laughs> how, how much the royal family has impacted me. But I want you to know it's, it should impact all of you because I know this church was generous. I 
know there, this is a place of generosity, not only with finances and resources, but also with time and experience. There's so much that has to happen. But I, I believe that there are people in this room that don't want to wait a year. Um, I, I believe that there are people that are, are being called right now to go. Man, there's been something on, 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 on your heart. There's been some, something that God has been saying to you late at night to, to do. I, I, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not a prophet, so I'm not going to try and pro prophesy. I'm not going to make something up. But I do know that, man, there, there are needs here in Orange. At any given time just down the street, there's, there's homelessness that uh, doesn't seem like there's a solution to. It can be overwhelming. There's, 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 there's hurt and pain in marriage. Um, there, there are friends right now in this room. Each of you have friends that the, the marriage is, is not what they'd hoped it to be. Man, they need someone like you to come alongside them and say, I, I love you enough to just sit with you and listen. Um, there are neighbors that are lonely, especially coming out of a, a pandemic time. People are just finally reconnecting. The, the world seems to be connecting again, but there are still some people that are shut in. There's, there's older people that have, have missed uh, life. And, and, and some of them go to this church and it's their only connection to the outside world is they, they come here on a Sunday and, and then they may stay in their apartment for the rest of the week. Is God calling you to maybe just reach out to those people like with a phone call or, or a visit or a coffee? Maybe, maybe your, your heart hurts for the schools in Orange. Placentia, Anaheim, Tustin, Santa Ana. Maybe, maybe you just are sensing that God wants to use you to do something powerful. And yeah, it, it does seem overwhelming. Can you imagine? Amos is, Amos is a shepherd. He's got his deal. He's, he's tending his sheep. He's pulling figs off trees. He sells them at the market. And God comes and speaks and says, go. I want you to go far. And I want you to take my message that is going to be challenging. Right? And, and, and many of you are feeling that same weight and overwhelmness. And I, I, I'm okay with leaving that weight in this room because it should be weighty. Much like the weight that is pulling that plumb line down to keep it straight and taut. This, the weight of injustice in the world is real. And I would implore us as a church that if, if there is a tugging, come, come talk to one of us. Come, come, come challenge one of us. Hey, as a church, have we ever thought about these people? Or uh, have, we, have, we, have we reached out to this person? Or how, how do we reconcile racial issues in orange? How can, how can we be better? How can we do that? And that weight challenges us. And so I think our hearts are tugging. My own heart is tugging this morning. So um, come to me. Come to Brenton. Come to Nikki. And if there's a tugging at your heart, let's see what the Lord wants to do in and through each of you. Because it isn't about office. It is completely to do with God giving you authority and anointing. Father God, we, we thank you for your word that pierces our heart. It challenges us. It pushes us. Uh, we thank you for the grace that, that sits at the plumb line and makes us whole and makes us straight and makes us new. We thank you for the salvation that is found only in through you. Lord, we pray for anyone in this room that is, 
is, is having a tugging at their heart to be used in a special way to reach out. Lord, Refuge doesn't own their story. I just ask that you empower them right now. And if Refuge and the leadership here can help and participate, great. But if you're calling them to go and to be used, Lord, we, we just know it's from you and we want to support that. And if there's anyone in this room here that doesn't know you fully, fully, fully as Savior, I would just pray that their heart would be tugging as well. That they would receive you as the Savior of the world, the, the one that stood at the plumb line and made us straight and made us whole, who perfected our imperfections who healed our brokenness. And Lord, there's some in here that are fired up and already excited. And so I, I, I just give them the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that's found in Acts to, to, to go and to be excited and to go with fervor, knowing that it isn't their own strength, that it's the strength of the Holy Spirit that is going to take them where they need to go in your doing, Lord. Uh, bless this community. Bless the people online that are watching this and bless the people that are here in person. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you'll rise and worship with me. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at refugechurchoc. We hope to see you again soon.